Chapter fifty seven of the Old Curiosity Shop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Old Curiosity Shop by Charles Dickens. Chapter fifty seven. Mr. Chuckster's indignant apprehensions were not without foundation. Certainly the friendship between the single gentleman and Mr. Garland was not suffered to cool, but had a rapid growth and flourished exceedingly. They were soon in habits of constant intercourse and communication. And the single gentleman, labouring at this time under a slight attack of illness, the consequence most probably of his late excited feelings and subsequent disappointment, furnished a reason for their holding yet more frequent correspondence so that some one of the inmates of Abel Cottage, Finchley, came backwards and forwards between that place and Bevis Marks almost every day. As the pony had now thrown off all disguise, and without any mincing of the matter or beating about the bush, sturdily refused to be driven by anybody but Kit, it generally happened that whether old Mr. Garland came or Mr. Abel, Kit was of the party. Of all messages and inquiries, it was in right of his position the bearer. Thus it came about that, while the single gentleman remained indisposed, Kit turned into Beavis Marks every morning with nearly as much regularity as the general postman. Mr. Sampson Brass, who no doubt had his reasons for looking sharply about him, soon learned to distinguish the pony's trot and the clatter of the little chaise at the corner of the street. Whenever this sound reached his ears, he would immediately lay down his pen and fall to rubbing his hands and exhibiting the greatest glee. Ha-ha! he would cry. Here's the pony again. Most remarkable pony. Extremely docile, eh, Mr. Richard, eh, sir? Dick would return some matter-of-course reply. And Mr. Brass, standing on the bottom rail of his stool, so as to get a view of the street over the top of the window-blind, would take an observation of the visitors. "'The old gentleman again!' he would exclaim. "'A very prepossessing old gentleman, Mr. Richard. "'Charming countenance, sir. "'Extremely calm. "'Benevolence in every feature, sir. "'He quite realises my idea of King Lear, "'as he appeared when in possession of his kingdom, Mr. Richard. "'The same good humour, the same white hair and partial baldness, "'the same liability to be imposed upon. "'Ah, sweet subject for contemplation, sir, very sweet!' Then Mr. Garland, having alighted and gone upstairs, Samson would nod and smile to Kit from the window, and presently walk out into the street to greet him, when some such conversation as the following would ensue. Admirably groomed, Kit. Mr. Brass is patting the pony. Does you great credit. Amazingly sleek and bright, to be sure. He literally looks as if he had been varnished all over. Kit touches his hat, smiles, pats the pony himself, and expresses his conviction that Mr. Brass will not find many like him. A beautiful animal, indeed, cries Brass. Sagacious, too. Bless you, replies Kit. He knows what you say to him as well as a Christian does. Does he, indeed? cries Brass, who has heard the same thing in the same place from the same person in the same words a dozen times, but is paralyzed with astonishment notwithstanding. Dear me! I little thought the first time I saw him, sir, says Kit, pleased with the attorney's strong interest in his favourite, that I should come to be as intimate with him as I am now. Ah, 
rejoins Mr. Brass, brimful of moral precepts and love of virtue. A charming subject of reflection for you, very charming. A subject of proper pride and congratulation, Christopher. Honesty is the best policy. I always find it so myself. I lost forty-seven pound ten by being honest this morning. But it's all gain. It's gain. Mr. Brass slyly tickles his nose with his pen and looks at Kit with water standing in his eyes. Kit thinks that if ever there was a good man who belied his appearance, that man is Samson Brass. A man, says Samson, who loses forty-seven pound ten in one morning by his honesty is a man to be envied. If it had been eighty pound, the luxuriousness of feeling would have been increased. Every pound lost would have been a hundredweight of happiness gained. The still small voice, Christopher, cries Brass smiling and tapping himself on the bosom, is a singing comic songs within me, and all is happiness and joy. Kit is so improved by the conversation, and finds it go so completely home to his feelings, that he is considering what he shall say when Mr. Garland appears. The old gentleman is helped into the chaise with great obsequiousness by Mr. Samson Brass, and the pony, after shaking his head several times, and standing for three or four minutes with all his four legs planted firmly on the ground, as if he had made up his mind never to stir from that spot, but there to live and die, suddenly darts off without the smallest notice, at the rate of twelve English miles an hour. Then Mr. Brass and his sister, who has joined him at the door, exchange an odd kind of smile, not at all a pleasant one in its expression, and return to the society of Mr. Richard Swiveller, who, during their absence, has been regaling himself with various feats of pantomime, and is discovered at his desk in a very flushed and heated condition, violently scratching out nothing with half a penknife. Whenever Kit came alone, and without the chaise, it always happened that Samson Brass was reminded of some mission, calling Mr. Swiveller, if not to Peckham Rye again, at all events to some pretty distant place from which he could not be expected to return for two or three hours, or in all probability a much longer period, as that gentleman was not, to say the truth, renowned for using great expedition on such occasions, but rather for protracting and spinning out the time, to the very utmost limit of possibility. Mr. Swiveller out of sight, Miss Sally immediately withdrew. Mr. Brass would then set the office door wide open, hum his old tune with great gaiety of heart, and smile seraphically as before. Kit coming downstairs would be called in, entertained with some moral and agreeable conversation, perhaps entreated to mind the office for an instant while Mr. Brass stepped over the way, and afterwards presented with one or two half-crowns as the case might be. This occurred so often that Kit, nothing doubting but that they came from the single gentleman, who had already rewarded his mother with great liberality, could not enough admire his generosity, and bought so many cheap presents for her, and for little Jacob, and for the baby, and for Barbara to boot, that one or other of them was having some new trifle every day of their lives. While these acts and deeds were in progress in and out of the office of Samson Brass, Richard Swiveller, being often left alone therein, began to find the time hang heavy on his hands. For the better preservation of his cheerfulness, therefore, and to prevent his faculties from rusting, he provided himself with a cribbage board and pack of cards, 
and accustomed himself to play at cribbage with a dummy for twenty thirty or sometimes even fifty thousand pounds aside besides many hazardous bets to a considerable amount as these games were very silently conducted notwithstanding the magnitude of the interests involved mr swiveller began to think that on those evenings when mr and miss brass were out and they often went out now he heard a kind of snorting or hard breathing sound in the direction of the door which it occurred to him after some reflection must proceed from the small servant who always had a cold from damn living looking intently that way one night he plainly distinguished an eye gleaming and glistening at the keyhole and having now no doubt that his suspicions were correct he stole softly to the door and pounced upon her before she was aware of his approach oh i didn't mean any harm indeed upon my word i didn't cried the small servant struggling like a much larger one it's so very dull downstairs please don't you tell upon me please don't tell upon you said dick do you mean to say you were looking through the keyhole for company yes upon my word i was replied the small servant how long have you been cooling your eye there said dick oh ever since you first began to play them cards and long before vague recollections of several fantastic exercises with which he had refreshed himself after the fatigues of business and to all of which no doubt the small servant was a party rather disconcerted mr swiveller but he was not very sensitive on such points and recovered himself speedily well come in he said after a little consideration here sit down and i'll teach you how to play oh i dursn't do it rejoined the small servant miss sally would kill me if she knowed i came up here have you got a fire downstairs said dick a very little one replied the small servant miss sally couldn't kill me if she knowed i went down there so i'll come said richard putting the cards into his pocket why how thin you are what do you mean by it it ain't my fault could you eat any bread and meat said dick taking down his hat yes ah huh? i thought so did you ever taste beer i had a sip of it once said the small servant here is a state of things cried mr swiveller raising his eyes to the ceiling she never tasted it it can't be tasted in a sip why how old are you i don't know mr swiveller opened his eyes very wide and appeared thoughtful for a moment then bidding the child mind the door until he came back vanished straightway presently he returned followed by the boy from the public house who bore in one hand a plate of bread and beef and in the other a great pot filled with some very fragrant compound which sent forth a grateful steam and was indeed choice pearl made after a particular recipe which mr swiveller had imparted to the landlord at a period when he was deep in his books and desirous to conciliate his friendship relieving the boy of his burden at the door and charging his little companion to fasten it to prevent surprise mr swiveller followed her into the kitchen there said richard putting the plate before her first of all clear that off and then you'll see what's next the small servant needed no second bidding and the plate was soon empty next said dick handing the pearl 
Take a pull at that. But moderate your transports, you know, for you're not used to it. Well, is it good? Oh, isn't it? said the small servant. Mr. Swiveller appeared gratified beyond all expression by this reply, and took a long draught himself, steadfastly regarding his companion while he did so. These preliminaries disposed of, he applied himself to teaching her the game, which she soon learned tolerably well, being both sharp-witted and cunning. Now, said Mr. Swiveller, putting two sixpences into a saucer, and trimming the wretched candle, when the cards had been cut and dealt, those are the stakes. If you win, you get em all. If I win, I get em. To make it seem more real and pleasant, I shall call you the Marchioness, do you hear? The small servant nodded. Then Marchioness, said Mr. Swiveller, fire away. The Marchioness, holding her cards very tight in both hands, considered which to play, and Mr. Swiveller, assuming the gay and fashionable air which such society required, took another pull at the tankard and waited for her lead. End of chapter 57